0: Go to James, the fourth chapter. We've been in the book of James for quite a while. We've got to the fourth chapter, and we've paused. There's one verse on prayer. They were not getting their prayers answered. Their motives weren't right, and we paused there and we said, "Well, let's let's just dig a little deeper, because if we're going to spend time praying, let's try to pray and get results." Amen. We don't want to just pray for um, um, cardio. That's what the treadmill's for. We we want to we want to pray and see how God has given us instructions on how to pray effectively to get answers. And so we pause there. It's James 4, starting with verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? they are f- fussing in the church. Don't they come from your desires of battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. We've covered all this, but this is where we paused. You don't ask God. And He says, and when you do ask God, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But we're just pausing, kind of stepping out of James for a few weeks, looking at that when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. And there was a reason they weren't getting it. And we said, let's pause. They asked they didn't receive, but what can we do to receive? I don't want to just pray. I want to see God's answer to prayers. And there's no better place to go to for instruction than the Word of God. Amen? It's good what we can learn from others, but there's no greater source than the Word of God, so we're going to open up the Bible. And well, we've been studying in these last couple of weeks, and we set some guidelines to help us pray better, to be more effective in our prayers, to get prayers answered. And we started out, just a quick review, we said, number one, when we pray, we got to ask in faith, believing. Now, that's all over the Bible. Amen? And we took asking and faith and we broke it down. Our 2 subpoints were believing and persevering. Believing and persevering. And we look, James, you know, the first chapter of this book, he says, but when they ask, they must believe and not doubt. He says, boy, if you want to get an answer from God, you must believe and not doubt. And then Jesus said one time, and when you pray, believe that you have received. And we can go on and on the importance of faith. That that is an important ingredient you cannot do without it if you're going to be effective in your prayer. So again, we're we're believing in God's person, in God's power, in God's promise. We're believing that God is able and that God is willing and his promises are yes and amen. So we looked at that, God's faithful. But we also said not only believing, but persevering. And we looked at a couple stories that Jesus gave us. One, one widow was, just kept coming to the unjust judge until finally she warmed down. Amen? Another neighbor kept hammering on that door until finally the answer came. And Jesus said, those are now natural illustrations, and they're meant to teach you that you should ask and keep on asking, that you should seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, because persistence and perseverance are absolutely essential and necessary if you're going to get anything from God. Amen? And we have to have that tenacity about us. There's an endurance of faith. And we paused and we said, well, why why don't things happen sooner? And we said, well, besides human will, which hinders things, there's also spiritual opposition that hinders things. And we went through the word of God. How Paul said to the Ephesians, hey, listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities powers." He says, you know what? Put on the armor of God. And he shared with us the fact that there's an invisible war going on, but we're part of it. See, there's a a spiritual opposition that tries to hinder us from doing God's will and hinder God's answer from coming into our lives. And we looked at that great story from Daniel, where the Word of God just kind of pulls back the veil and gives us an insight into the spiritual realm. And we see Daniel, that great man of faith, that man that was so close with God. eh? Amen? how we prayed and prayed for about three weeks, praying and fasting, and finally the answer comes, and the angel said, listen, the very first day you prayed, God heard. <laughs> hey, man, what's going on? That's a little slow answer, hey, Amen. If you heard the first day, what took you so long? The angel said there's a principality, there's a demonic spirit over this area that's trying to hinder God's answer from coming to you. Now, we learn. That there's a spiritual opposition. And that's why it's absolutely necessary that you persevere in prayer. If you know it's God's will, don't just pray once or twice and then, well, whatever, whatever will be, will be. Well, that's an old silly song from the 50s. That's not Bible. Amen? The Bible says, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking. The fervent prayer of that righteous man or woman availeth much, but you've got to persevere and hang on until that answer comes. And so we've studied that. And then we went a little further. We said, well... If we're going to be successful in our prayers, not only do we pray in faith, but we got to pray in Jesus' name. And we read a handful of scriptures there. We talk about praying in Jesus' name. We're praying prayers that would glorify Him, that would be in line with His will and His character. And on one hand, when we pray in Jesus' name, it brings a great confidence to us. Because we pray in the name that's above every name. Amen. We pray in a name that's greater than all powers and all principalities. We pray in the name that's the only name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And we pray in that name. Isn't that true? We minister to one another in that name. In that name you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In that name. But that name also puts some boundaries on our prayers. Because I just can't pray for anything I want. Is this glorifying Christ? Is this Joe's will? Or is this Jesus' will? And so His name means in line with his character, something that would glorify him. You know, one time the disciples said, Lord, should we call fire down? He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Sometimes Christians start praying things and they got paused. Wait a second. Is that that in line with the character in the will of Jesus? It should be in line with his nature and for his glory. We ask things that he would ask. Amen. And so we looked at that. We studied that. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. But then we're going to pray according to God's will. And we really looked into that last time, according to God's will. It's important for us to know God's will so we can pray confidently when we pray. Now, the the most precious place to find out God's will is in the word of God. So before we go to our experience, we go to the word of God. I, I, I need to judge my experience by the word, not vice versa. Amen. And so I'm going to go to the Bible and say, I want to find out what God's will is. And once I know his will, I'm going to pray with a confidence, I'm going to pray with a tenacity, I'm going to pray until, because I know it's God's will. Amen? And so again, we we looked at that, we looked at that, but then we paused and we said, okay, once we get outside the clear written word of God, we get into this other answer that some things aren't all that clear, are they? And um, the question we're going to try to answer tonight, as we said last time, Typically, there's three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. Amen? Yes, no, and wait. Now, if you're like me, two out of the three I don't like. Amen. I don't like them. I look back and I thank God for a few no's. Anybody? Amen? I thank God for some prayers he said no to. Wasn't thanking them then. Thanking them now. But typically, I don't want to hear wait. Don't want to hear no. But that is a reality. So what do we do? There's a question tonight discerning when it's not clear here are some things to remember when you either know the will of god or maybe you're still praying through to get that will of god But again there are certain things i can go to the bible and i can be real clear he doesn't want me robbing the first national bank how about that amen I'm not going to put it on the prayer line pray for me i'm trying to discern i got a big decision to make no big decision it's clear end of conversation Isn't that right some things are clear but let's face it there's other things not so clear should I take this job or that job? Well, that's got some good traits, and that's got some good. And God sees things that I don't see. Maybe he knows something. The guy seems real nice, but maybe he's going to be a real jerk once I sign on the dotted line. God, you know, so some things we've got to pray through, don't we? Because it could be either or. And so when you and I are trying to, we believe it's God's promise, or we're still praying to really get a better grasp of this God, so what should we do? What should we do? When discerning the will of God, it's just not clear. Number one, we've got to remember that God has a timing. God has a timing. That God often has a higher purpose than what we can see. We don't see a lot of things that God sees. And he, he allows things, and he takes us through things that we would avoid if we could, but God works in these things. And let's remember that just sometimes it can be a good thing, It could be a noble thing, it could be a God-glorifying thing, but it might not be your thing. How many know that? Let's dig into this. If you would, Hebrews 6 and verse 12. Hebrews 6 and verse 12. Let's look at this together. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Oh, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Because once we get out of elementary school, we pretty much know thou shalt not means thou shalt not. Amen? You don't got to pray about that. Don't have to ask God about that. But there are other things. I got to learn how to pray and get the mind of God or, or to pray through. So again, notice when we talk about timing, God has a timing. And So sometimes people don't recognize that and they get discouraged. They believe God spoke to them or they believe that's God's will for them and they begin to pray. But it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen as soon as they'd like and they give up. But how many know, delay doesn't mean denial, amen? God has a timing and God has seasons. We've got to understand that. We're going to look at some characters from the Word of God and we're going to see how should we respond when we're waiting on God to break through, amen? Now, it's very important, you know, you measure before you cut, amen? You measure, you want to measure twice before you cut once. I mean, we want to make sure we know what we're doing. And so it's very important to, to really pray and get the mind of God. Because if some people, let me put it to you this way. We would all say perseverance biblically is a good quality, amen? But also, stubbornness is not a good quality biblically. What's the difference between stubbornness and perseverance? A lot of times, is as if you're in the will of God or not. Amen? I'm persevering. Well, if it's God's will, good. Persevere until that breakthrough comes. Amen? Tear through the roof. You know what I mean? Just keep believing until you touch the hem of his garment. But if that's not God's will, what do they say? When you're in a hole, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. So, you see, it's very important that we can kind of discern the will of God before we give everything. you got to know that you know. But here we got Abraham. Delay doesn't mean denial. There's a timing. God is working, and sometimes we have to wait. And the Bible says, Hebrews 6 and verse 12, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience. Inherit what has been promised, not not just faith. I believe, I believe, but a, but a patience that is able to wait properly for God's timing. But sometimes He's working in me. Sometimes He's working in a situation, and I don't see it. And like I say, I you know I want the drive through to be quicker, and the popcorn to pop popper pop quicker in the microwave, and we don't. But here, the Bible talks about, and this is Abraham. If you look at the next verse, it says, "When God made His promise to Abraham, Abraham." had a promise from God himself. Can't beat that, amen? I mean, it's good to have a promise from someone you know, love, and trust, but man, when God gives you a promise, you can take it to the bank, all right? So he has a promise, but you know it's some 25 long years until that promise comes to pass? And the whole time he's waiting, listen, things don't look better, things look worse. I I look more able to produce that 25 Then I do at 55, you know, I mean, Abraham, remember the promise and things in the natural looked worse. But God was testing his faith. His faith was getting stronger, even though his outward man was not. And it says here, God made his promise to Abraham. And since there's no one greater for God to swear by, he swore by himself. Saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Wow. Wow. That's something. Delay doesn't mean denial. And we talk about while we wait and God works, remember these four things. Well, you're waiting on God and you know God spoke. And you're praying and you're believing. There's four things. Number one, keep believing. Number two, you keep behaving. Keep behaving. Number three, keep becoming. Keep growing. Keep maturing. Don't waste it. And number four, keep walking. Keep believing. Abraham kept believing. Amen? Amen? But you you keep behaving. Joseph kept behaving. Everywhere he went, man, but he kept behaving. He stayed a blessing, didn't he? David kept becoming that time in the caves, that time being a fugitive, he was developing and growing into a man that could rule the kingdom. And that time of waiting was actually producing a man that was ready to rule God's way, not like old King Saul. And keep walking. You know, we always talk about the generation that died in the wilderness. I don't want to talk about the failures. Let's talk about the generation after them that went in and took the land. But you know, they had to walk through some 40 years because of someone else's mistakes. Sometimes we have to endure because of someone else's mistakes. Sometimes you're praying for someone to get saved, and, and God's willing to save them today. But, but they don't want to get saved yet. And you've got to pray through their will and pray through their rebellion. You see what I'm getting at? And so sometimes other people's decisions in life, just life in itself, causes you and I to have to endure some things. But keep walking and keep trusting and keep believing God. Sooner or later, when God removes those things or breaks down those barriers, the promised land is yours. Let's look at that just a little closer because, again, when I'm praying, I have to remember that that God has a timing so I don't get discouraged and give up. I want to start out by knowing God spoke, but then I want to believe and keep praying. Like we said, number one, while you wait, while you wait, while God's working, you're going through a season. Number one, keep believing. The Bible tells us in Romans 4, how oh, Abraham, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, but he kept believing God's promise. He kept believing that if God said they were going to have a child and they were going to touch the nations, then God was going to bring his promise to pass. Amen? He believed God was faithful and God was able. He didn't waver, but he glorified God. Now, listen could it have got bitter during the wait? How many know Joseph maybe could have lost faith? But as the time elapsed and the dream seemed like, Maybe he just had, did have a dream and not, not, not a God dream. But number one, while you wait, keep believing. Keep reminding yourself this is what God said. God said he's going to save that child. God said he's going to bring a breakthrough in that area. God, your word says you'll supply my needs. You're going to come through. You're going to get us out of this mess. And you stand on the word. Lord, you said you're my shepherd. I shall not want. So you're going to take care. You said if I cast my cares on you, you care for me. So, Lord, you're taking care of me. The battle is the Lord's battle. you got to keep believing. Now, see, what God was doing, we find out reading other books, God wanted Abraham and Sarah to be as good as dead. So when the miracle came, all the glory went to God. You know, sometimes God brings us to a place where, you know what? He takes all the fight out of us. And all we have left is, God, (laughs) I surrender all. Amen? Keep believing. Keep behaving. Many people disqualify themselves from the dream. Because they misbehave during the wait. I really um, admire Joseph for his conduct and his character, amen, that, that, that he kept his, his bearing, all that he went through. God Almighty gives him this great dream of being in a place of leadership and his own brother sell him into slavery. I mean, it's one thing when your enemy does something to you, but when someone you believe is a brother or a friend does something, I mean, that cuts so much worse, Amen. And here we go, you study the life of Joseph, but he kept behaving. He kept behaving. He remained a blessing. Every stop along the way, every place you see in the story of Joseph, and God was with him, and God prospered what he did. I mean, they're treating him mean, and their their business is getting blessed, but Joseph is there. I've seen some people that go through things, and man, they're a pain. You don't want to be around them. Because they didn't take a Joseph attitude. They took a cranky. They weren't sanctified. They were crankified. Amen. They, 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 they were just, you know what I mean? And, and they, they were praying, Lord, deliver them or deliver us from them. But, Lord, please, do something with them. They're driving us nuts. Amen. Well, you know, don't look at anybody. You know what I'm saying. Some people don't, some people don't go through things too well. Amen. But Joseph, I tell you, I admire that. Think about the life of Joseph for a moment. You know his story. He remained pure, faithful, hardworking. Why should I work hard for you, man? You kidnapped me. You captured me. Why should I stay pure? Where's God? They don't serve him down here. But not Joseph. He's falsely accused. He's forgotten. He's mistreated. Wow. You wonder why some people never see the dream come to fulfillment. Because while they're waiting, they're not behaving. They lose character. They lose conduct. I, I've seen some people that if you give them a Sunday school class, if you give them something to do, they'll stay pretty holy. But if you have them sit for a while, they, they lose all sanctification. It's like, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'll. but, but I, I get on a shelf, I just kind of... You, you can see, they don't have a heart for God. They might have a heart for performing for God, but they don't have a heart for God. What did Joseph say when, when the, the lady was trying to bring them into sin. He goes, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? My family doesn't know where I'm at. I feel like I'm a million miles from where the God of Israel is, is worshipped. I'm here among all these idols, but you know what? God sees what's going on in my life. And so many people would use excuses to give in to sin and cut corners and to compromise. Say, you know what God sees? I won't do this wicked thing against God. So Joseph, we learn that while we're waiting and praying, Keep behaving. Keep acting like a Christian would act. Amen? Life throws us all curveballs, things we don't deserve. Joseph had his share, and then some. Keep behaving. Then keep becoming. Keep becoming. I never forget Warren Wearsby when he was pastoring at, at Moody in, in Chicago. He had a secretary that had really gone through a rough patch. I, I mean, her son, I think got in a terrible car accident. About the same time her husband came down with one of those... Parkinson type, you know, those bad diseases. And, and he said, he goes, I said something to her very pastoral. I said, I'm praying for you. And I didn't expect her answer when she says, oh, what are you praying for me? What are you praying about? What are you, how are you praying? And he says, it caught me off guard. And I gave her the typical, well, you know, I know God give you grace. I gave her the pastor, the coach speak. I gave her pastor speak, you know. And she looked at me and says, pastor, do me a favor. Just pray that I don't waste all this. Pray that I don't waste all this. You see, a lot lot of people waste their sufferings. They waste their trials. Some get worse. Some just don't grow from them or don't take advantage. Hey, I don't want to have to go through it again, amen? I want to learn the first time, right? I mean, this thing is tough enough once. Lord, please, I don't want to go around that barn a second time. Help me to learn. I know I'm not the smartest tack, and sometimes I'm not too quick. God, give me grace to learn this lesson because I don't want to go through this again, amen? Amen? We learn from David. It's amazing, David. It seems like everything's going so cool. I um, mean, he's just a shepherd and the prophet anoints him and says, you're going to be king. And, you know, God just begins to work wonders, right? Just going carrying an errand and God leads him to take on Goliath. And all of a sudden, in front of the whole nation, he's seen as a giant killer. And then before you know it, King Saul's having problems and he needs an anointed musician to help him. Guess what? Here comes David. I mean, so, uh, how God is so awesome. God takes David to be really a nobody from a nobody family. And also, the next thing you know, he, he's in the throne room. How, how God can orchestrate things. How God can really navigate things. Amen. And so there's David. And then the next thing you know, everyone recognizes this man's a leader and he's leading the troops and things are great. But oh, what do they called? The, is it the, the green eye, the jealousy. What's the jealousy? Jealousy. King Saul gets jealous. You know, sometimes when you get blessed, people get jealous. You know, sometimes when you begin to enjoy the blessing of God, people you thought might be get jealous. King Saul got jealous. He said, oh, and once he get jealous, he felt threatened. And you know the story. He's throwing spears. And David would duck, but he wouldn't chuck. Amen. He would duck, but he wouldn't throw back those spears. He didn't get down to Saul's level. But finally, Saul couldn't, you know, take him out that way. So he just plotted to have him ruined. So David had to take off. He goes from eating at the king's table to a fugitive living in a cave. Where's God in all this? All I did was kill a giant. All I did was do what God called me to do. I didn't deserve this. And from there, it says all the distressed and the indebted, and the disgruntled came out to him. What a church that is. <laughs> Amen. It's like my first church. Amen. I said, Lord, have mercy. I think somebody was on minimum wage. We we're saying, thank the Lord. That's a rich one. There's that rich guy there. I mean, we, we had nothing. But here's David. But it was in that time, that decade of David's life, he learned how to lead men. He learned how to navigate through crisis. He learned how to walk with God. He wrote some of his greatest psalms. And some of the hymns we sing in his darkest moments because he latched on to God in the hardest places. It's amazing how you can grow and mature. See, when God brings you through something, the devil will try to get on you to disqualify you. But if you respond properly, God will use it to develop you. And David becoming. While he waited, he kept maturing. He kept growing. His leadership skills grew his ability to be led of God and be led of the prophets grow. Oh, he learned more on the backside of that desert than he did in the few years in the king's throne. He learned how to lead. He learned how to hear from God. He learned how to trust God, supply. Man, you got a few hundred men out there and you got to meet their needs in a wilderness. You learn to trust God for provision. While we're waiting, keep believing. Keep behaving. Keep Becoming. David's on the run. He's in a cave. He's falsely accused. But he keeps learning and growing and maturing and improving. Preparation time is never wasted time. Preparation time is never wasted time. Keep walking. Keep walking. And that's the last one here while we're waiting. You know, if you're in that generation that wasn't supposed to die in the wilderness, I think you could get a little disgruntled in those in front of you. I'm walking around this dusty, dirty wilderness because you wouldn't trust God. You know, sometimes we have to pay a price because someone else didn't trust God because you guys chose to grumble against God and not obey him when he said, take the land. We're stuck walking around. You know, someone can do things in life and you have to pay for it often. Amen? But you know what? The group that went in, they just kept walking and obeying. They learned to trust God, give them that manna. They learned how, if you're going to make it in life, you've got to follow that cloud. That cloud don't follow you. Amen? You don't just run and say, God, here I am. No, that's not how it works. You see where God's going. You stay in step with. They learned all that. When the time came to take the land, they knew. We're going to take the land. We're going to obey God. We're going to follow the cloud of God. We're going to trust the provision of God. They learned all that, but just keep walking. though. Don't give up. Keep walking. If God's given you a promise, there might be reasons you don't see. There might be things going on that you don't know. Keep walking, keep believing, keep behaving, keep becoming. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, number one, when we're waiting, there is God's timing. But number two, when I'm waiting, I have to recognize. And sometimes this is where we struggle. We all do. I struggle. Sometimes there is a higher reason for things than we see. God has a higher purpose. Second um, Corinthians, Second Corinthians is it twelve and ten, whatever we gave you, Drina. Let's look at that one. Second Corinthians. This is an interesting verse. God's ways are higher and different than ours. God might have a deeper or hidden purpose for something. God might have a deeper or hidden purpose for something. Sometimes we don't see it. God has a higher purpose. 2 Corinthians 12, and I want to read 8 and 9. It's Paul, the great apostle Paul. Now that man could pray, amen? If anyone could pray, Paul could pray. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. He wouldn't give him this, now I lay me down to sleep stuff. He was pleading, I'm crying out to God to take this thorn in the flesh away. Regardless where the thorn is, there is something hindering him, something harassing him, something beating up on him, amen? And he's saying, God, you're God, you can do anything, move it! In his mind, according to the light he has, there's no purpose of this. This is from the devil. God, move it. You ever pray for something and God didn't move it? <laughs> Someone put two hands up. Hey, Amen. But God said, <laughs> sometimes we want God's answer until we get God's answer. But God said, My grace is sufficient for you. Can you hear it, Paul? I'm pleading, Lord, move it, Lord. I can't take it anymore. God said, don't lie to me. You can take it as long as my grace prevails. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God said, actually, in me keeping you weak, it's actually benefiting you, and it's benefiting your ministry. It's helping to keep you in a place where I can keep blessing you. Because Paul, when you get so blessed, you can get awful cocky. You can get awful puffed up. But I'm allowing the perfect balance of blessing and buffeting in each person's life to keep us right where God wants us. And again, he's praying. And Paul, I mean, he prayed once. He prayed, God, why aren't you answering me? God, I've seen it. Paul, he prayed for people and lame people got up and walked. Dead were raised. Amen. He saw great things. Demon-possessed people set free. Lord, why aren't you answering me? Because God had a higher purpose. And if God hadn't answered him, he would have struggled with this. But God in his grace answered him, and hopefully we can learn something too from it. He says, my grace is efficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, now that I know that, that, and thank God he showed me, because if God didn't show me, I might have went on the rest of my days praying, God, move this, God, move this, wondering why isn't God answering me, not realizing God has a reason for the buffeting. He says, but now that I understand that, as God showed me, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power rests on me. Now that I see this is part of God's greater purpose for my life, this thing is actually helping me to stay in that place where God can use me. Then I'll accept it, Lord. And I I won't just accept it, but I'll accept your grace for it. Oh, my. Let's look at this again. We don't always understand his purpose. We can't always see everything and understand. And sometimes like Paul, we pray, Lord, get me out. And God says, no, receive my grace. This is helping you. Recognize that. But now listen, anything God sends you, anything, anything comes from God, he give you grace to deal with it. Now, if no grace, that must be the devil. It's the devil that torments. God says, if I let you go through something, I'm going to give you grace to go through it. That's how God operates. God says, if I allow something, I'll give you grace to go through it. If you'll respond properly, I'll give you grace. I'll give you the grace to Joseph. You can say no to sin. When the tempter's all around you, you can say no to sin in the most wicked places. I like David. You can have everyone lie about you and make up lies. and You can be banished from the kingdom you're supposed to be ruling. But when it's me that's allowing it, I'll give you grace to turn that cavern into a cathedral of praise. He wrote some of his most beautiful psalms in the cave. Can you imagine that? Some people would be going back to their old nature, cursing, and it sounded like the devil's group, like they used to be, when they go, not David. He's singing wonderful songs of praise in a cave. Oh, my God. We're learning this. We're learning this. We're looking about the fact that God often has deeper purposes for us, and we have to trust God in that. We have to trust God in that. We can go on. We won't look this up in your notes, Hebrews 12, verses 7 through 11, it talks about how God uses chest hardships as, as a form of discipline. And that's how he proves to be a faithful father, and it's how we mature, amen? Well, you know, sometimes when we go through things, or God lets us go through things, if we don't understand that sometimes God has a purpose in the wait, that God has a purpose in the stretching, that God has a purpose in the denying, Amen? i've grown in grace a lot of times getting getting that no getting that no i can remember times younger in ministry and believing god and trusting god and so close to something you can taste it just to have someone an authority over me so you can't have it and you feel like you just got kicked in the gut but then you have to ask yourself a question am i going to take the high road and walk in character and submit to proper authority am i going to grumble like a little baby and you know suck my thumb and say poor me I learned sometimes no's have taken me deeper into character than yeses ever did. Depending on how we respond. Are you getting this. This is this is this. Is, uh, here we go. All right. Let's go on to one more. Sometimes, sometimes. It's just not for you. Amen. It, it could be a good thing. It, it, it could be a noble thing. It could be a blessed thing. It might not be for you. If you would, Samuel, 2 Samuel. 7, 11 through 13, 2 Samuel. So at, while we're waiting, we're learning that God has a timing. Amen? And I have to endure that process and go through that and keep believing and keep behaving and keep becoming and keep walking. But also that God often has a deeper purpose. Amen? You know, you want to really put something. What are they? Remember, pottery used to be a thing. Remember when I was a little kid, my mom went pottery classes. Remember that? Every Christmas, you're getting a football player lamp or something. It was great growing up, Amen. It was pottery, I mean, that was really big back then, Amen. And what do they have? They had the Is That what it's called, the oven, the kill? You got to put it in the kill, right? Well, you you got to you can't put it in for half a second and expect it to come out. It's got to be in that fire for a while if it's going to come out just right, Amen. Sometimes we got to stay in that fire for a while so God can get us down deeper. That's why you got so many shallow Christians. They got roots that go down half an inch. You got to go through some fire. Ain't that right? (laughs) You're going to get some strength. You got to do more than lift five pounds 500 times. You got to put a little weight on that thing. You got to push something. God says, you're going to get stronger than me. You got to push some adversity. You got to push some trials. You got to let that character go through that fire. Then we see what you're made of. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. here we go. And I've done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people. I have also given you rest from all my enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. David says, I want to build you a house. God says, I haven't asked for a house. You've been so good, David, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a dynasty and build you a kingdom. And he goes on, and when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I'm going to raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I'll establish his kingdom. He's the one. Verse 13, he's the one. David, you're not the one. It's a good thing you want to do. It's a God-honoring, noble thing, but you're not the one. We find out later that he was a man of blood. God says, you you shed too much blood. The man that builds my house where the Prince of Peace is going to dwell, he's got to have peace. He's got to be Solomon, peace. And so he's the one. Who will build a house for my name and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Um, go to my, what's my next verse that I gave you. I gave you is it Yeah you go, let's go there. That's there's a another another look on this story. But that night the word of God came to Nathan saying, Keep going. It's a wonderful thing. You know, sometimes even great prophets can get in the natural and they miss it. Nathan David said, I want to build God a house. And Nathan says, Hey, David. See, David's sitting in his own house saying, man, look, the kingdom's at peace. God's given me everything I want. But God doesn't have a house. He's still living in that tent. That's not good. David started feeling guilty. Look at me. I got this beautiful house of cedar. God's given me victory over all my enemies and God's in a tent. We got to do do something about this. Prophet, what are you thinking? Prophet says, go ahead, David. Go for it. But then Nathan goes back and God says, hang on. I didn't give you that word, Nathan. Go back in there and tell David. Go tell my servant David. This is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build a house for me to dwell in. Wow. You're not the one. You know, sometimes people don't want to hear they're not the one. Amen? Isn't that right? Especially when it's something good and godly they want to do. They're not wrong with what he wanted to do, but he wasn't the one sometimes we have to accept the fact that God chooses people for certain tasks. And I can't have everything. Thy will be done. Amen? Let me give you another example into the New Testament. What do I got? First, my first Corinthian verses. Let's look at those. You know, the Bible says that we ought to pursue spiritual gifts. That we ought to hunger and thirst for these things. Amen? But yet, even though we desire them and pray for them, Ultimately, God is the one that gives them and chooses them. You know, we just can't wake up and say, I'm going to be an evangelist. Not if he don't call you to be one you can. He, he's the one that puts them in the office. You don't, put, you don't make this up. Certain things you can't take on your own. It's got to be given from above. Well, you know, I think I want to have one of those gifts like, like Dr. Mark had. I, I want to prophesy over people. Hang on. You can ask God to use you. You can say, Lord, I'd love to be used further in you. If you'd like to use me in the gifts of the Spirit, I'm available. But that's about as far as you can go. God chooses. Here Paul's writing. All these things are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. All those gifts of the Spirit, amen? We can say, Lord, use me. We can say, Lord, I desire to go further in you and deeper in you. And, Lord, I I like to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. But ultimately... He determines. He chooses. What's the other verse that I have? Was it 18? It's going to be a similar thing. Because we have to realize, sometimes when we're praying about things, even if it's good things and noble things, I, I joked about this last time, but it's so true. You know, we, we, our first time we were in full-time ministry was in Chicago. Um, youth and assistant pastors. Great church, great church. used to be, a, um, it's in the encyclopedias. I mean, it's a great Swedish church. Years and years ago in that area, still some Swedish stores back in the day. She'd walk in and talk to some of the older people that ran the place and Swedish and just the whole area up the street from Wrigley Field. We went there, first fell in love with the place, fell in love with the city, fell in love, had a burden. Still got a big picture of Chicago in my office, and I pray for it often. But for some 20 years, strongly, I said, God, please, let me go back and preach your gospel in that great city. I love nothing more than to go back and just, the nations were there. That Our local high school at that time was noted to have more diversity than any other high school in the nation. Pastor Impaglia at one time said, if you were born in another country, not second generation, if you were born in another country, Missions Convention, stand up, 13 countries, 13 countries represented. He says, all right, starting over here, John 3, 16 in your native tongue. And they went from, you know, from Spanish to Swedish to Finnish to Romanian to you know, you just had everything. The Philippines, they had the whole it was beautiful. The nations, the nations were there. You see, and I just but you know, I mean those first ten or fifteen years, I mean I prayed and fasted, not even a hint. Not even a not even a crack open door, nothing. Can you imagine that? Not a thing. I'm just saying you can have a noble desire. And you can have a burden for something. It might not be God. Amen? God chooses. We just don't do what we want to do. You can't just go where you want to go. We're servants of the Lord. We go where he wants us to go. Amen? And so I started to do it like David did. I just started praying for the churches I knew. And it was a blessing through the years. I saw friends of mine get sent there. And God used them to build churches. And God used certain people to come in and resurrect churches. And I knew five or six churches real well, and I would just pray for them. And it's wonderful to see most of them doing so well in God. as I learned, like David, I wasn't the one. But I could help those that were going, and I could pray for them. So again, we're talking about the body and all the parts of the body and the gifts. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Amen? We've got to have variety here. Not everyone can be a singer. Not everyone can be a teacher. Not everybody can be a, you know, we've got got variety. We've got a lot of things to do. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has arranged. Who has arranged? So, So don't feel bad about who you are. Be excited about who you are. Amen? If you're an ear, rejoice. You've got an important job. If you're an eye, rejoice. You have an important job. Right, listen. I Listen, I don't try to see with my ears, and I don't try to listen with my eyes. I don't try to walk on my hands. Try that once. Maybe a little younger. I almost got there. I could stand, but couldn't walk too good, but definitely don't even try now. Amen. Rejoice in who you are, and try to be the best you. Realizing that, you know, God is the one that called me. Some might have a great ministry with, with children. Rejoice in that. Not everyone does. Not everyone does. Some people, if you kept them in children's ministry more than a week and a half, they backslide. They can't handle it. I mean, they don't got the grace, man. But others are so anointed at it. Say praise the Lord for that. Amen? Others are a great thing with, with music. Others, visitation. Others with hospitality. There's so many wonderful things. So realize, whoever you are, rejoice in yourself. Because the Bible says... God has arranged the parts of the body. God made you who you are, and he put you where you are. Amen? So don't try to be something you're not. Listen, if you're an ear, don't try to be the eyeball. Amen? Work with the eyeball to get us down the road. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Can you see that? Isn't that beautiful? So the other thing we've got to realize when I'm praying about things, Sometimes I can have a a noble desire, a God-glorifying desire, but I might not be the one. And so sometimes i got to realize, Lord, am I the one? And if he says yes, then you go for it. But if you spend time, I might say no, but you can support them. No, but you know what? This is where I put you. Go run with that. Go be the best, you know. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We want to be effective in our prayers. We pray, Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. And we thank you, Lord, that in your word you've given us examples of how to approach the areas that are not clear black and whites, that are not clearly written in the scripture. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that will help us to discern your will if we'll seek you. And when we have to wait, help us to make the most of the wait, to respond properly to the wait as we keep believing, keep praying, and keep walking with you. And Lord, if we have to go through things, help us to be reminded from Paul's example that there's a deeper purpose behind things. There's a greater working that we might not see immediately behind things. Help us to respond faithfully to whatever we go through, recognizing your grace will be sufficient for whatever you take us through. You'll give us the enablement to go through it. And Lord, we, we thank you that even though we have noble desires, maybe we're not called to do everything we desire, but if we'll seek you, you'll let us know that so we can be the ones you've called us to be and we can support other people that are carrying on their ministries. Now, Father, bless these dear ones that have come out tonight. Help them to grow and to improve and mature in their prayer lives. Use them to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. God